Hello, this is Futurist Gerd Leonhardt. These are my keynote speeches as podcasts. Greetings and namaste. This is Gerd Leonhardt, Futurist in Zurich, Switzerland. I'm really delighted to provide a keynote for you guys today for MMA Impact India 2022. MMA is worldwide known for providing great guidance events and resources on the future of marketing and mobility. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to speak to you about virtuality. And virtuality is a lot more than VR and the metaverse, and it's not owned by Facebook. Right? Virtuality is a concept of not just being here in real life, like you can kind of see me here in the semi-meat space, so to speak, right? But it's the ability to be something else completely in virtuality, which is to change the way that I appear, what I look like, and to create a fantasy reality, very popular, of course, in gaming. Uh, and, and if you know gamers or if you are a gamer yourself, you know how far that has already improved and, and uh, moved forward. But basically, virtuality is a concept of existing only in the mind or existing in the mind, the mind being what we see around us. Uh, a product of imagination, the opposite of reality, that's an interesting one, a manufactured, self-designed, simulated experience. Um, I think that is the key word. Uh, how is that going to be achieved in a world where so many things around us need to be ready for this simulated reality, whether it's output and bandwidth and, and of course, equipment, uh, and especially in a country like India. I think that's quite a bit away uh, in terms of actually making that happen. Uh, I think augmented reality is much more plausible as we're looking at this dual-fold future right in front of us, especially for marketing and especially in India. Is I think augmented reality is just the concept of having a, a wider field of vision, seeing things on my eyeglasses, holograms, projections, and all that stuff is technically speaking much more feasible. And it's based, of course, on the mobile device, which is the primary shaking uh, proving ground for these technologies in India, but also worldwide. So I would really bank on virtuality becoming a sort of the second wave of this virtuality movement. And by 2030, we're going to see about 8 billion people connected to the internet, high speed, always on, and increasingly low cost. Of course, that is also a challenge in India. But immersed in augmented virtual uh, mixed realities. So that's obviously not 5G, but we're talking about 10G or so, roughly, and by 2030. Very big challenge. How do we provide equal access? And what does it mean to uh, uh, avail yourself of this? Is it going to change your economic standing and, and the possibilities of where that's going? Is it going to be good or bad for us? And like any technology from the mobile phone all the way back to the internet and the television, you know, it could be heaven, it could be hell. And we have to make sure that it's mostly heaven, 98%, and it's equally available to everybody. And that really gets me wondering about AR and VR and, of course, about marketing as well. You know, we have to find a way into that future that is mostly heaven. So also protecting humanity, which means, you know, the right to disconnect, the right to exist only in real life. And of course, we have to think about what our kids are doing here and which way that's heading and how they're going to learn the real world when they live in the virtual world. And, you know, for a long time, I've spoken about that data is the new oil, but you know, that's an old hat, of course. Now, data is the new plutonium also. It can be used as a weapon. Look at social media. Right? Data is also like the new air, like nothing works without data. Artificial intelligence is the new electricity, the juice that flows in our networks, and the cloud is now the new office right? since COVID. And that's going to continue in a hybrid world. Huge factor for India. Right? You can work worldwide now. 
very soon by having virtual reality hologram augmented reality devices like Zoom times 1000, right? It's also the new living room, the town square, as Elon Musk calls it, the airport, right? Can travel virtually in the cloud, right? And finally, of course, you could say that virtuality and virtuality in general is kind of the new census, is like the expanded eyes or uh, the new being. Blade Runner scene, right? More human than human? I think that's a pipe dream. You know, we do want to remain human. And the question is, is this going to be a tool or is it going to be our lives? I think technology should not be our life. We should not live in there. We should use it as a tool. Great for doctors, lawyers, dentists, uh, surgeons, and maybe police, right? Yes, but the question is, what do we do with this as people? And how does it fit into our view on values? Uh, many different uh, resources are showing huge growth in virtuality and augmented reality glasses and of course impact on society. Look at this curve, right? This, everybody loves this kind of exponential curves. Right? But how quickly will that happen in India? I think we're going to see a lot of work in aug augmentation and reality that can be uh, looked at and, and morphed with uh, mobile devices. That is going to be much more important. Of course, uh, Facebook and Meta now has realized this and, and building web-based version of the metaverse, which remains to be seen how great that would be, essentially just a browser on steroids. But I think it could be really interesting and lots of great work environments like, like uh, the Horizon Workspace I find very interesting, of course, for my work as a presenter. What is kind of strange though is ideas like this, you know, having a virtuality set that simulates emotion so you can receive a kiss in cyberspace. I mean, the implications, of course, uh, you can use your fantasy for this. But uh, really here, the question is, really, do we really need this? Do we really need that to be simulated? Why wouldn't it be better? Isn't really a hug better than a thousand Zoom calls? And are we going to have to wear a device like this to have fun in the future or to work right? or to study? Right? Or is it going to be the good old TV on the nose? Not a good idea, right? I think anything that closes our face and, and encapsulates us into another reality probably won't work for quite some time, only for people who are hardcore gamers and who like that feeling to be there. I'm really betting on augmented reality. I think all the great glasses that we're seeing around, there's like a hundred companies, Apple of course being one of them, Samsung and so others, right? Uh, creating an overlay of reality that could be really interesting but also potentially addictive and I'm not so sure that addiction is one more thing that we're going to need in this future. But hey, you know, this is something that is coming. It's something that marketers have to think about. And the, the key thing about marketing is, of course, we don't want to build another mousetrap like we have with the internet itself and online advertising and Instagram and what have you, right? Uh, we don't need that. We need empowerment. Right? We need real experiences and real relationships to brands and people who buy from brands. So this is why my bet is on augmented and, and mixed reality, not so much on VR. I find VR very interesting as a, as a user, and I'm going to dive deeper into this, and I have been buying equipment to get involved with this. I buy everything, of course. But augmented virtual reality is really, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, this is why, you know, when we look at human senses, like this is a goosebumps uh, uh, video here, right? Uh, this great article from the Fair Observer says, virtual reality is really kind of impossible, like perpetual motion. Because the sensory inputs that come into our bodies, whether it's eyes and the ears and, and emotions and, and, and temperature and so on, millions of vibration sensors, this is really what we do, they create a single unified experience. They are not 
generated by glasses. They're, they're as real as it gets because we're using all of our senses, right? And when we touch things like water and we do things with our hands or, or, or feet, you know, we have a sensation that goes beyond this one sense and it's embedded in many other things. A lived sensory experience, same article, sensory fusion. Well, we have sensory fusion when we wear these glasses. Well, it's a sensory simulation. Right? And we may have a kind of a King Midas problem. Basically, we want to everything that we touch to turn into a miracle, into gold, the King Midas story. This may be a, uh, not a very good idea for us to look at it this way. It's just a tool that we can do things with. It isn't going to change our human reality, I don't think in such a way. And of course the conclusion of the article is that unfortunately for VR there's no mathematical way to make a consistent world <clears throat> from a partial delayed corrupted data input. Because in the end our brains really need 3D invasive data, uh, pervasive data, right, to make that happen to create a real experience. Because in the end, you know, we don't see only with the eyes, we see with everything. Our, all of our senses, our, our feelings, our ears, our, yeah, when, we don't think with a, with a brain. Uh, every therapist will tell you that, that it's a lot more complicated. And intelligence, human intelligence, is not just logical firepower. Right. It's a lot more than that. And, and so VR is kind of has this problem that we are seeing only a partial thing and it's going to be incongruent. Right? So if you're looking at the possibility of VR sickness, for example, it's quite like general motion discomfort and very hard to get rid of. And I, I've experienced it several times. And I really think this, the user's perception of self-motion is going to be based on some sort of incongruent sensory input from the VR and not creating a very good experience. That's the major, major problem that is, has to do with our brain, not just with the devices that we use. So between those two things, AR and VR, let's compare the two and come to a conclusion on this. Point number one, AR is about open senses, an open world, right? an augmented world, not artificially a fantasy world, which is interesting, I think, for gaming, maybe for learning, maybe for instruction, maybe for digital twins in factories. Right? But for us as consumers, I, I wouldn't bet on that becoming a major hit, you know, in any time soon. Because, you know, wearing an outfit, no matter how amazing it is, requires a certain understanding of where you want to go. And AR offers uh, sensory augmentation. That may already be too much for us, right? But overbearing 3D simulations in real time, seriously addictive as well. And, and AR has a, augmented reality has a ready-to-go technology base in mobile phones, especially in India. And those devices will sooner or later all support <coughs> augmented uh, reality development kits uh, and APIs and so on where we can make this happen. So that's a real tangible opportunity there for marketers as well. And it provides a much more sustainable opportunity for humans. I mean, it may already be overwhelming and I w I'm not sure I would want to have these on all the time with all this information floating down and you know sometimes offline is the new luxury. Right? Maybe something to remember for Indian marketing. <laughs> a much more humanly sustainable experience. So the question is really what do you prefer, right? Do you like the metaverse better or do you like meat space? You know, this is a great picture for me. Mm. Just a few years ago in, uh, in Barcelona, near Barcelona and Dali's house. Um, so the question is really what do you prefer, right? I think meat space is here to stay and we're not going to detach ourselves from who we are as people just because we can use virtual reality. Right? So this is a really important question that marketers need to keep in mind. When we have our good friend Zuck, well, 
I don't know, I'm not sure he's a friend anymore, but uh, it says it's about time when immersive digital worlds, as missing here, become the primary way we live our lives. I think that's just utterly ridiculous. Uh, the primary way we live our lives is as humans with other humans in our bodies. Right? Otherwise, we're going to enter minority space, uh, red pill, blue pill environment. And it's, I think it's great if Zook can do some fencing using his virtual reality. And that's, a, you know, it's great for games. I give you that. It may be even great for work, you know, to learn how to fence, for example. But the concept here and of living in a world where everything becomes this miracle fantasy world, I think that is disturbing, to say the least, and not a great way for marketers to think of the world because it isn't real, right? You can, say, you can sell fake digital products or NFTs here, yes. But is it going to be bigger than real life? I, I very much doubt it. They, they hang together in different ways. So I say it's about living our actual lives in actuality to the fullest extent possible and supporting the effort with amazing technology. And that's really what I'm looking for in my life. I don't want technology to take over. And I think it's a very bad idea that we do this just because we can sell more stuff and people buy, can buy more virtual assets you know, while their real life is falling apart. Uh, definitely major challenge for India with 1.3 billion people you know, to help people understand what's going on here and to give them benefits. Now, as we move into the metaverse, it's basically the discussion of those five things around it, very important, of course, ultimately the real factors, real-time 3D, but also customizable avatars, built-in shopping, crypto commerce, NFTs, real-time environments, and spatial audio, which I like a lot as a musician, the concept of hearing people in different places. That's powerful. Uh, is it going to be mass medium anytime soon? I don't think so. I think uh, that's going to be a tool for people who are into it and who have enough resources and a T1 internet connection, uh, you know, 100G. Will the metaverse really bring a new creator economy? No, I think that's a fake promise. There's no such thing. Creator's economy is made by creators and by the circumstances of culture and society and policies, not by technology. And it will not be interoperable. I mean, think about Infosys and Dell and, and Baidu and everybody else coming together to create an open version of the metaverse, I, I think that's doubtful. Um, that's not how it has worked now until now and probably not how it's going to work. I think the metaverse, if we do it wrong, it could end up in the metaperverse, uh, which means turning everything that is dear to us upside down, gives everything that we've ever asked for and none of what we really need. You know, that would not be good development, not for marketers, not for society, not for India. Check out meta, the, themetaperverse.com. I think it's just metaperverse.com, uh, where you can find more stories about why I call this a metaperverse. Wired says, the metaverse is simply big tech, just bigger. I think that's so true as we're moving into this future where a lot of people are really excited about this, including, of course, the big tech companies around the world, the e-commerce companies. And here's a great fake article from The Onion, great comedy here about Jeff Bezos when he says, soon the metaverse will be indistinguishable from the actual world because I will also own most of it. That's so true. That's something we should really think about where that's going to go and where that's heading and if that's going to work for us. So. Digital ethics and virtuality, this is a key topic because every technology is now changing the way that we think about ourselves, <coughs> it's changing society, it's changing what we believe in. And I think one of the key challenges is that it could create exponentially more digital divides, which are already a major topic in every country, especially in India. So they have, right, they have enough, the top 5 to 10%, they can dive in and do all these fancy things, nobody else can touch it because it creates inequality in this sort of K-shaped 
way, right? The top goes higher and the, and the bottom falls out for the lower people, like we have already had in the COVID crisis. And that is just not a good idea. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about marketing. It has to be accessible for everybody. Our primary objective should be to connect everybody at, at, at basically zero cost, right? but not connect them necessarily to the fanciest VR equipment we can imagine. The other one is disengagement. You know, as this driver here is falling asleep in the Tesla, right? Um, the question is, are we going to fall asleep in virtual reality because we're disengaged, right? We're, we're like turned off to reality, a kind of fancy escapism. And that's always been a big story with television, with the internet, with gaming, right? But pervasive escapism in society, that is not going to be a good thing. And it's not going to get any better just because we buy more stuff there. Right? I mean, this is a question ultimately also who controls it? Who is mission control for the metaverse? And who is mission control for all that data? Think about all the clickbaiting and all of the data mining that goes on. It's like social media times 1000. So that needs to change. We need to look at how we can make that into a nice ecosystem. And will this kind of virtuality really make us more human? I think sometimes it may. It's an amazing tool and that can lead us there. But will we be happier or will we just buy more stuff we don't need that nobody ever wanted that we don't care about? Uh, so this is a very, very big question uh, because as we're moving into this future, that is basically the question number one is why are we doing this? And this is a question you must ask uh, and answer as a marketer and as a brand. Now, it's a question of purpose. <clears throat> we're moving into the purpose economy away from the idea of the ownership economy necessarily. And this is an interesting topic you know, as we think about AR and VR and what it can do for marketers. If we think of humans like this, you know, there's a brain in the box and it connects to the internet. And this is kind of the fantasy of the singularity. We can upload our brain to the internet. No, we can't. And no, we won't be human. <laughs> no, I mean, we probably can, but we shouldn't. And the other concept of this sort of happiness kit, which is quite common now in technology is that, you know, just have the right tech and you're happy. Well, of course, you know, that isn't true. You know, this is a fantasy story. And really happiness is something that we discover with ourselves. And marketers make their, their clients and their customers happy and brands make them happy by discovering that through other products, but essentially leading them on to a different way of looking at this. Right? And great scene here from Blade Runner, uh, the virtuality scene from Blade Runner 2046, where we have uh, a huge hologram you know, speaking to the main actor there. And ultimately, of course, the, the next thing is the, uh, the hologram ap appearing in different ways and then being shaped by what uh, the character wants the, uh, the hologram to look like. But, you know, in the end, of course, the power collapses and the hologram is gone. He's really lonely. So in the end, algorithms know the logic of everything, but the feeling of nothing. Right? Essentially, this isn't real. It's a simulation of real. It's an approximation of real and it has value for that. But it isn't the same. And I think to me, marketing means connecting to reality, right? people to what they really want, what they really appreciate. And the concept of having a, a sort of machine that simulates half my brain is just utterly ridiculous because we're not anywhere close to this. And is it possible? Is it desirable or neither? Right? We want to augment our power as, as humans. Right? We want to create realities that we enjoy for many different reasons. We don't want to create isolationism uh, and detachment and, and loneliness. You know, some of the power users of social networks are the most lonely people you can imagine and they have the highest suicide rate in the world that has been proven for Instagram and Facebook and others. One of the side effects of too much 
of a good thing, right? So as we go here, we're going to end up in a place where perpetually uh, the connectivity to the top, so to speak, right, could capture us too much and we could end up with this perception of the useless real life, like a useless human in the end, you know, because we only exist and not in real life. That would not be good because it also kills our democracy. It's no surprise in the next, in the last 10 years, democracy has faltered in many different places because people are disengaged and, and escaping into already <clears throat> mobile devices. And this really needs to be tackled because here we have the challenge to get it right, and this is a huge topic for India, again with 1.3 billion people. How to engage? Right? We need to engage, not escape. And engagement can be done, of course, in augmented reality and in virtual reality, but we have to keep that in mind as the utmost paradigm and the, and the goal. You know, we don't want to build another filter bubble that turns out to be 500x of social media. We don't want a filter bubble or we don't want a bubble life. And I think to look in that direction is just creating another mousetrap for marketing and it won't work. You know, there's a lot of hype about this, but really what works is real things with real connections and to get away from this kind of dehumanization aspect that everything has to be mediated to be worthy. Right? It, this is reductionism and also creates addiction. So I think the wise brands, the good brands, the good marketers also protect us from too much of this. I mean, this is what Apple is doing, for example, by speaking about how important privacy is and how important civil rights are. Yes, it's very expensive as a consequence, Apple not using our data, right? But to protect humanity, I think that's the ultimate goal, of course, of every good brand. And it should be something when we think about AR, where we are going with this, because the reality is <clears throat> humans aren't about data. We're not a control desk like this, right? We are really much more than that. We are about engagements experiences, relationships, and this is why we buy things. You know? So don't shoot in the wrong direction here. I think anything that supports this idea is about content marketing, about narrative, about creating great environments, experiences. That's where it's going. So let me summarize and say what's happening, where are we going with this? Clearly, humans and machines are kind of converging, parenthesis, right? And the meat space and cyberspace is coming together. And that's inevitable. It's, that's happening everywhere. But we have to safeguard ourselves uh, to a certain extent by saying, okay, we need to figure out what is the balance between those two things. And what is good for us and what is not. It's not just good because it exists and it's possible. It's also good because we have certain values. <coughs> and this is going to be about the proaction, you know, how we move forward into new ideas and precaution. And I really think we have to think about that also when we think about how we market to people being proactive and jumping into new things and trying them, that's good. But also precaution, we don't want the same thing to happen that happened with social media, where it's becoming a distortion engine you know, based on AI algorithmic news data. That's completely broken, this, this ecosystem. Right? So we have to think about both of those things as we roll out new things. We have to think about the enormous power, you know, becoming as God, parenthesis, of course, the Sistian Chapel theme here, re-rigged with the interactivity. And we're becoming very powerful and that, that's great and I would definitely uh, investigate and see how good that will do for us. But just because it's feasible, that doesn't mean it makes sense. What makes sense? I think in India, mobile devices, augmented reality, glasses, holograms, expanded reality for some users, web-based experiences. That makes sense. Right? To a certain degree, of course, we have to still watch the overload factor here. And then we have to think about co commerce versus purpose. You know, it's great to sell stuff, but you know, Facebook makes $160 million profit per day. 
but do they have a good purpose? And I would say they don't. Not anymore. They have lost their purpose, which I think partly why their stock is collapsing like this. So don't lose your purpose just because there's commerce. Yeah? In the end, hype or happiness. Right? That's our choice. What kind of future do you want? What kind of future do you want for your children, your grandchildren? I mean, that is the key question when we think about marketing, when we think about augmented reality. Do we want people to live in virtual reality just because they can become better sales targets? I think that's a very bad idea. We want to create value, tell real stories, you know, talk about where it's going. So these two things in the end, bottom line also taken from my book, Technology versus Humanity, embrace technology, but don't become it. I think if you embrace technology and you understand humans, then you can come up with great products and great campaigns and great marketing ideas. But don't just follow a hype right? because it creates a technological mirage, a fantasy land that we can tap into uh, only to observe our dollars floating away. So embrace technology but don't become it. And it's been a real pleasure to uh, speak for you to you. And now we're going to take questions. And I want the tough questions. I want to know what you're thinking. I want you to uh, ambush me with your, with your tough comments and I really look forward to diving in. So let's go. This is Gerd Leonhard, Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at GerdTube.com on YouTube.